Greetings from the Abu Church of Christ. Uh, my name is Jackson Chang, and I want to uh, thank you for joining us in the podcast series, Refined by Fire, which is looking at the Apostle Peter and the journey of his faith. Um, a couple of different goals that I'm trying to accomplish with this series. One is to just look at Peter and his spiritual journey. And hopefully by looking at his life, it will inspire us to grow in our faith. I love Peter just because uh, we see the good and the bad. So it's really neat just to look at him and, and his character. The second goal uh, is sort of like providing us uh, sort of a tool set uh, for our own personal Bible study. So this is a character study, which is looking at Peter. But hopefully by the end of the series, you can feel like, oh, I can do this with, you know, so-and-so in the Bible also. And lastly, help us to connect a little bit more. Today, um, I have some great guests for our podcast. We have uh, Marty Oliphant, who uh, currently serves as a house church leader and also serves to uh, lead the church's uh, parent-taking ministry. Uh, which is awesome because, you know, it's, it's taking care of the kids in the church and I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, and we also have uh, Brad Tomashiro with us who uh, leads our campus ministry. So uh, welcome, guys. Great to have you here. And to be uh, here. Yeah, maybe, maybe you guys can introduce a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, I'll go first. My name is uh, Brad Tomashiro. I'm 31 years old. I just I just turned 31 in April. Uh, I've been married to my wife Alicia for close to uh, eight years, nine years. Wow. August 2011. I uh, just had my second son Okupu. He's about four months years old. Uh, my oldest boy Kaliko is two years and about two three months. And I've been a disciple since November 2010. I was converted in Oregon. Um, I went to school over there to just pursue wrestling and whatnot. So, but I was born and raised on the Big Island, Hilo, to be more specifically. Was, you know, raised in a typical local family and just enjoyed, you know, growing up in Hilo and doing Hilo kind things. So. Awesome. Grateful to be here today. I'm excited to have this discussion. So I'm Marty Oliphant. Thank you for um, having us here today, Jackson. And I think the conversation is very timely um, as we're looking at how our nation is going and uh, mm -hmm. locally how that's impacting us here. Um, so I, I, too, very similar to Brad. I grew up in Hawaii. My mom's from here. So I grew up in Kalihi as well as Kaneohe and... Uh, couple um, summers in Wai'anae with uh, my cousins out there and um, <laughs> yeah and so growing up in Hawaii and um, I love growing up here and I think that um, met my wife here we moved to Maui um, and had our first baby girl um, who's now 21 years old and uh, just recently graduated from uh, University of Portland in nursing Wow, and mm. she's starting her career as a nurse, and then my son Matthew is 18 years old, and uh, he's graduated high school from Roosevelt High School. And um, my wife and I have been married since um, 
2000, sorry, to their own, 1998, 2000, 1998, <laughs> uh, no, 1996, oh my gosh, see, I'm getting all mixed up, September 28th, and um, I became a disciple back in 1990, and I'm not sure why Brad gave his age, I guess I have to give mine, but I am <laughs> older than he is by like 20 years, uh, less than 20 years, but around 20 years, and um, so yeah, I'm really glad we get to be here today, and, and just really be able to connect and talk through this together. Thank Man. you. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to share my age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's jump right into the uh, theme scripture, um, you know, for our series, which is from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 3 through 9. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Mm -hmm. I love this scripture. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about it is that First Peter uh, was written towards the end of Peter's life while he was in Rome as he faced basically being executed. Uh, so this was towards the end of his life and he's just writing, I think, to me from his own personal experience to so the things that he has gone through and how his own faith had been refined by fire. And so he's encouraging us that, you know, hey, we will all go through different trials and tribulations um, and but to keep that perspective that if we persevere uh, through it that um, faith will help us to attain uh, the goal which is the salvation of our souls and that's a great perspective for us to have this is the last podcast of our series uh, we started actually looking at spiritual blindness in how you know, even though faith has to do with what we do not see, but sometimes it is through the things that we do see or perhaps how we see them that can blind us spiritually. Uh, so we looked at a lot of different things in Peter's life. We looked at overcoming sinfulness. We looked at overcoming doubt, worldliness, failure. Uh, today, we're going to look at overcoming prejudice. As I was working on the content of this specific podcast, I got the, you know, one of those pop-up notices on my iPhone and it was talking about the news of what was going on with George Floyd. I ended up watching some of the videos and figuring out what was going on and uh, there was a lot of emotions that went through as I watched some of those. I thought, wow, uh, I guess it's timely for us to actually be talking about overcoming prejudice. Mm -hmm. What are some of your thoughts? Thanks. Um, I have many thoughts, to be quite honest. And um, I think 
you know, pondering this question, I, 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 um, I'm really trying to be aware of my own feelings and thoughts mm. because I think um, there's a lifetime of them when it comes to prejudice and racism, uh, just simple biases that we all have. Right. And right. Um, I think we all have, if we're honest with ourselves, we do have prejudices and it could be as simple as what flavor ice cream I want mm. versus other ice cream. Um, but I think in terms when it comes to race and equity, I really believe that right now um, is being yet again highlighted as a, an issue. And as a nation, as we looked at examples like what happened with George Floyd and to know that that's just one of thousands of cases mm -hmm. of, of uh, violence against um, black people, indigenous people, um, people of color. And it, it, it floors me that we seem to go far and then we take like 10 giant steps backwards mm. and it becomes polarizing when it really is about how do we end um, racism. And mm. it's not a very easy assignment. It's a very complex issue. Yeah. And I think with our nation, I think um, we keep on returning back to the them against us mentality. And it's quite honestly, it's tiring and it's sad and and quite um, it's unnecessary, I mm. think, to keep on um, going back to um, hate and keep mm. going back to um, black lives versus blue lives and all the rhetoric around that is just, uh, it consumes your thoughts sometimes and, and raising children who are facing that every day mm. of their lives and knowing that, um, that's the solution is not found in the world. The mm. solution is found through Christ. And so what you mentioned about Peter and dealing with what he had to deal with and trying to help shape and shift the paradigm mm. of racism, it's a huge task. Yeah. And it's one that um, this beginning conversations that we're having as a nation, I want to say beginning continual conversation right. we're having as a nation, um, I think the solution can be found and scripture mm. it can be found in how God wants us to love our neighbors. Right. And who are our neighbors? Every human being on this planet is our neighbor. I mean, that that's uh, that's definitely a great point. I had uh, a little bit ago just, you know, listen to some of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, uh, speeches and uh, sermons. And it was really neat, uh, just his perspective in looking at racism. And mm -hmm. one of the things that he really uh, emphasized was the approach of peace. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what was neat about it was he was like, that's the only way you can resolve this, you know, by looking at Jesus and how he handled, yes. um, you know, hatred, right? Turn the other cheek. Um, and it's not natural, I think, for us to respond in that way. But uh, for him, I, I thought it was really, I mean, insightful for me to look at it, uh, hear his perspective. He's like, you know what, you can get violent and you can try win uh, through all these means of, you know, fighting uh, against the system, but, you know, fighting in a, a violent way. But in the end, 
you're still going to be in this nation. Yeah. Um, and if you do it the wrong way, you just feed that hatred. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned Dr. King because I think one of the thoughts I had, initially I had a lot of feelings, um, which I can talk about soon. But one of the thoughts I had when everything started uproaring is I needed to educate myself personally more. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I went to college, I think I started to understand more uh, the discrimination, the oppression against you know black communities, mm-hmm. and you know, grew up in Hawaii. The the black community is very small here, so um, for some reason, which again we'll probably talk about soon, you know, it just kind of it was I wasn't conscious about it. But <clears throat> anyway, I started I started reading a couple books, got through a couple. One of them talked about Dr. King and specifically in uh, you know that time period of um, uh, the 70s and the 40s and you know especially the lynching period mm. I think it's showing me that the depravity of man's heart is is is, is wicked you know without God especially mm-hmm. during this time right and it turns on uh, a lot of the the evil is geared towards one another and mm. um, so like what Marty was saying, I think the solution is found in Scripture, through God and through the Spirit, and really leaning on those 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 principles of truly. What does it mean to truly love one another? Right. The way God sees us. So we're gonna uh, be diving into uh, the Book of Acts and looking at uh, some of the prejudice that uh, the church had to deal with back in the first century. I'm hoping, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like this podcast is going to solve it or everything or anything, but um, hopefully it's just kind of uh, can engage us uh, and just start a conversation uh, to really think about it. And and I think for each one of us, we have our own perspectives on, you know, how we see things and we can only share from our own experiences. And yeah. like what Marty said, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think we're all prejudiced uh, in, in one way or another. How about, you know, here in Hawaii? I know uh, there's, you know, are there other prejudices that are present here in Hawaii on the, on the racial side? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So when I when I when I hear that question and I and I think that um, specifically regarding blacks in Hawaii, I think we've had a, a long history in Hawaii, and, and I think people maybe not necessarily know that history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started as early in the 1700s when um, to escape racism and um, mm. cruel treatment, a lot of African American or black men and predominantly men would um, go to the whaling industry. And mm. that's how some of them found themselves mm. in Hawaii and um, decided to stay because right. of the embracement of um, blacks in Hawaii. Mm. And I think it goes as far as back as that and looking at those different elements along the way and how even um, if you look in the Ali'i and how mm. black men were part of the advisory group to King Kalakaua mm. and other things that you just have to Google black history in Hawaii and there's mm. so many um, connections to black people being in Hawaii, um, and that, um, but then they started the the trend started to change a little bit when um, 
because of the experience of black people on the continent and coming to Hawaii um, and then other groups of people coming to Hawaii, businessmen with the guise of religion coming into Hawaii mm -hmm. um, and what it meant to, you know, take away from the Hawaiian people. Um, and in some cases, you see that they're making links to um, uh, King Kalakaua and even Queen Lil Kalani um, having black heritage mm -hmm. as a way to to take away the monarchy. Um, so the, little things like that, like if you mm -hmm. Google, even if you Google it, it's like superficial Googling right, <laughs> research, right. and you can see like these blurring things that um, the trend then became um, what was once welcoming and embracing of black people in Hawaii. Um, there was a whitewashing of the culture here and the Western culture that the mentality was transferred over to Hawaii. Mm. And so I think in a lot of ways, that connectedness, because a lot of shared history, right. there's trauma, there's the simple one I can talk about is the taking away of language, mm. right? Hawaiians were not allowed to speak Hawaiian mm. in the institutions or in the communities. It was banned. Mm. The same thing similar to the slaves, they couldn't right. speak in the native tongue. They had to speak English mm. because they were people were afraid they're plotting against them, right? So this, there's a lot of parallels to the experience that Hawaiians and other indigenous groups that we share, mm. uh, black people share with. And I think those are the little nuances that um, this is not the podcast for that discussion, right, but right. there's a lot of stuff that there's, there's lots of links already and rediscovering those things um, mm. and having those those kind of communication. What Brad alluded to earlier, the black community in Hawaii can be kind of small. It is minority compared to other groups that are represented right. here in Hawaii. But I also think that um, when you when you look at someone's black, you automatically think not automatically. Some people think they don't belong, mm. or mm. they may think, oh, they might be in the military, mm -hmm. or they're here for. A, but they don't think. No, they have generations. They've right. been here for generations. Mm -hmm. Or they, you know, and so are people who have um, black and Hawaiian mixture. Mm. And anyway, so there's a lot, of, there's a complex complexity to it. Um, so when you ask if there's other prejudice in Hawaii, yes. Are, there's professions that are, um, the comedy in Hawaii has been heavily, and I'm not sure about recently, but the comedy in Hawaii is embedded in ethnic jokes. Mm. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's embedded. Yeah. And it's like, you can see it all the time. People are always talking ethnic jokes. But people say, well, we're all from Hawaii and you're being too sensitive. But really, no, it's not about that. Mm. So again, it's about there are things that are out there. There's stereotypes. There's the other, right? It's mm. always about the other in Hawaii or, or in the continent. Instead of embracing the differences, because there are differences. We can't, mm. there's no color blindness. People are different. Right. Prejudice in Hawaii specifically toward black people and the black community because I think there's a lack of understanding and knowledge. I think the history is not talked about enough. Mm. I, I know for me personally, I just, I had no idea, you know, and I'm not gonna blame the school systems, you know, cause I wasn't that great of a student either. So I might have not been paying attention, but you know, I, it just, I don't know. So then mm. you create all these assumptions and your mind and I think that's what prejudices is is unchallenged assumptions or judgments mm -hmm. it's not challenged mm -hmm. by an outside source other than you who are not exposed or choosing not to expose themselves to the history 
mm. to understanding. You know, one of the things, uh, as I mentioned, is that we're going to move into the uh, from the Gospels into the Book of Acts, and Acts is uh, Luke's account of what happens uh, with the church after Jesus goes back up to heaven, and he kind of uh, gives uh, the reins of God's kingdom uh, to his disciples. Peter emerges as a key leader uh, in God's kingdom on earth. Uh, which is the church and it's what uh, like Jesus said that you know he has been given the keys to the kingdom 28 the Great Commission which we're all very familiar with in Matthew 28 verse 18 through 20 it says then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, when you look at that passage, what's God's vision? I mean, I think we I think we can agree on all nations, but I don't know if you want to put our own spin on it. But Yeah, I mean, in, in essence, he wants... All nations right. right to be a part of his kingdom I think for his apostles and his disciples at that time they didn't quite get that they thought okay let's maybe he meant for us to go into other nations find Jews and convert them to Christianity when you look at what God uh, was trying to do his vision was all nations everybody doesn't matter um, what ethnicity you have. You know, when you think about uh, our church, the ICOC, like what, what have you uh, seen uh, in our churches in, in terms of pertaining to this topic? Um, so, when I first became a disciple um, back in 1990, um, one of the things I, I appreciated about when I walked into church for the first time and I saw that every tribe was represented. Mm. Every nation was in that. There right. wasn't, um, you know, and it wasn't cliquish. It was everyone was inter uh, acting with each other. It was very um, intentional. Mm. And the fellowship was warm and it didn't matter what your background was. Um, I think in terms of that scripture in Matthew 28, and I think I really heartened to the fact that he's calling all nations and I think about that to be in his kingdom mm. and his standards for his kingdom is very different than the standards of the world right and that encourages me because if I look at the governments of the world and I look at mm. how people interact and I look at how people um, want this melting pot kind of assimilation God's saying I want you to assimilate to my standards Mm -hmm. to God's standards of how he wants to live our lives. And so it almost like your citizenship in all these nations mm -hmm. kind of disappears because you're now a citizen of my kingdom. Right. And to me, that speaks to that, um, that vision that you're mentioning, that vision of breaking down all the barriers so that we all can be his children. Right. Right. So that's where I look at that. That gives me hope. And I think with our church, particularly, um, what's super encouraging about it is that no matter what I've done in my past, no matter what you've done in your past, mm -hmm. the commonality that binds us all together is the blood of Christ. Right. 
And for me, that gives us this instant connection to each other. Mm. Regardless of what our personalities are like, no matter right. if I would be friends with Brad, if I wasn't in this church, or he'd be my friend if I wasn't in this church. Mm. All that was like, no, he's my brother. Right. I care for his kids as if they're my own kids. Mm. I care for your kids as if they're my own kids. And I know you guys feel the same thing about my, about my children. Mm. And that's because we're united through Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no other way to describe it. Like, I feel that um, as a church, we have made mistakes with each other as family members, mm-hmm. which we do. We're going to make mistakes. We're still yeah. human. And so I think there are things that as a church we can do differently um, and be more inclusive and um, and really listen to each other. Because mm-hmm. I think when this whole thing came up, it was like... Um, not the whole thing, but more recently, I think it was seen as um, before the recent incidents. It was like, well, you know, we're all one. We're all like, don't worry, don't don't have to bring the discussion of racism here because we're we all bleed blood of Jesus Christ, right? Mm. That was, but people's experience of walking into the kingdom, right, varied, yeah, and um, and if you look at leadership and some, and it didn't reflect always the community mm-hmm. that. Um, or represent the community that they're in. And so for a lot of it, it was kind of like, is this really an inclusive environment for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And so that those are the things, like for me, being in Hawaii, definitely, right? <laughs> I felt, yes, this is definitely inclusive, right? So anyway, go ahead, Brad. Uh, I enjoyed listening to you. Um, <laughs> this is this is a deep question. Mm. Um, I mean, I think for me, like this is a really important one because as the church that represents not the kingdom of God in in its entirety here on earth, but what the kingdom should look like and represent, like that's a huge responsibility. That's like mm, yes. that's a large calling, yes. you know. And I think the first thing I where my mind goes is, well, how are we not looking inclusive, mm. you know? Because I want it to be, I want it to be what the kingdom's supposed to be, you know. And that that just may be my own, my own thinking. And I'm, naturally, I'm just, I'm very self-critical. So I might be projecting myself onto this question. But that's immediately where my mind goes is, how can we be more representative of this, of this, this equity of a body of Christ, you know, that is talked about in the scriptures. And you see the first century church really fighting for mm-hmm. and I, I don't i don't know if i have an answer right off the bat you know how can we be more that's still something I'm, I'm thinking about but i definitely do know that all voices need to be brought to the table mm-hmm. people need to be willing to be uncomfortable to talk about things that they may have in their hearts as far as stereotypes racism prejudices and uh, we need a lot of grace and humility with one another mm-hmm. um so i, I I, I don't know if I technically have a solid answer to this question of how have I seen the ICOC as far as this pertaining to the topic, but mm-hmm. I think the I think what has inspired me is um, when I came into the church is um, a heart for the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's what was inspiring, and it, it didn't it didn't matter. It matter who you are, mm. what your struggle was, what your skin color was. Um, 
people were, or, or even the kinds of opinions you have, people legitimately wanted to introduce people to who Christ was. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we gotta keep, you know, in this in this navigation of how to um, sift through this as the kingdom of God. We we still have to be outward focused. I think mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. That's definitely uh, my experience of being part of the church. I've I uh, was baptized back in 92 uh, in Philadelphia when I was going to school out there. Uh, and, you know, been to different churches, uh, been a part of the Syracuse Church in New York and wow. uh, the church in San Francisco and now here in Hawaii. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, everywhere I've been, the churches that I've been to, it's been very multi-ethnic. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Just very inclusive, uh, which is awesome. Um, I remember um, uh, going to a uh, uh, conference, and there was this brother who was there sharing, and he he became a Christian in Israel, but he was Palestinian, hmm. uh, and that was, I mean, pretty intense because yeah. he was sharing about uh, overcoming that uh, in his life and. He had lost uh, his brother uh, to the Jews, and they came and got him. And so there's a lot of hatred that he had to overcome. And, and he was sharing how it was surreal, like him actually sitting in a church or a, a, a meeting uh, and going, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm there with Jews who have issues with, with Palestinians, and I have issues with them, but here we are all together. Uh, worshiping God, you know, I mean, I've definitely seen a lot of uh, very powerful things in our movement and, and I think it reflects that that's the heart that God wants us to have and that is God's heart that, you know, He is inclusive. He wants all nations uh, to be a part of His kingdom. Uh, are we perfect? Uh, absolutely not. You know, we still have our own prejudices and, and it's good. I right, think it's right. good to have this discussion because uh, hopefully it can shed light into different things that we may go man maybe that's something I gotta change uh, maybe that's a prejudice that's in my life that I really gotta work on uh, the great thing is uh, we're not alone because uh, certainly the church uh, in the New Testament had to overcome that in order for them to go into all nations they had to overcome the prejudices that they had in their lives uh, and, and break down those racial barriers. And just some examples, Acts 6, right? There's tension between the Hebraic Jews uh, and the Hellenistic Jews. But yeah, even within the Jews, they had uh, racial barriers and tension. You guys know about like the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews? I do, but I'd love to hear your Yes, re- refresh me. <laughs> uh, okay, so... The, Teach us, Jackson. Teach us. The Hebraic Jews were basically the ones... Uh, and if you follow the, the history of the Israelites, there was a time when uh, they got conquered by the Assyrians. Okay. Uh, and they also got conquered by the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, um, they got dispersed throughout those empires. Right. Right, which is known as the diaspora. Um, so, 
um, according to God, God basically worked to bring some of the remnant back to uh, to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, the temple in uh, the temple in Jerusalem, and to bring the people back to to Judea. <clears throat> so, the Jews who came back and lived in Judea were kind of considered the Hebraic Jews. So mm-hmm. they were more like, oh, they're really, you know, kind of more pure, I guess. Right, right. <clears throat> and that's how they saw themselves. We're the ones who came back to rebuild, you know, our people right. uh, versus the Jews who stayed. Uh, and eventually these empires got conquered by the Greeks um, and later by the Romans would be called the Hellenistic Jews because they stayed where they got dispersed to and they kind of got assimilated into the Greek culture. Right. So those were the guys who were considered the Hellenistic Jews. So even as the church started um, and these guys all came together, um, there was tension that was going on. So, you know, Acts 6 talks about that. In Acts 8, uh, there was the prejudice that they had, even as Christians, against uh, Samaritans. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so there's the Samaritans who, again, also during that time when the Assyrians conquered the Israelites, um, the Assyrians decided, hey, I'm going to kick all these, you know, Israelites out and disperse them through our nations because one of the things that they didn't want was for them to revolt, right? So the easiest thing is disperse them mm. uh, and they're not going to be able to revolt. Um, but at the same time, we're going to bring other people from other nations that we conquered and have them settle in Israel. And those people with also with the Israelites that were left would intermingle and they would become sort of your half breed is what, what they would, how the Jews would look at Samaritans. They'd be like, oh, they're, they're not pure bloody right. Jews. Right. Uh, so there was that prejudice uh, that they had to overcome. That was in Acts 8. Uh, we're actually not going to get into all that. We're actually going to focus on uh, Acts chapter 10. And Peter was involved in all those different things that was going on, but the greater mm-hmm. challenge lay ahead, which was their prejudice against the Gentiles. This is probably a good place for us to take a break. And make this a part one of part six. Obviously, there's a lot of things we can talk about with this topic at hand. But let's take a break here and we'll continue on part two of part six in our next podcast.